checking the audios and we're good so you guys ready ready good day fellow hoteliers and welcome to episode 194 of the hotel marketing podcast i'm your leading candy confectioner and director of client success pete DeMeo. so the travel boom candy shop is now open for business and we're serving up a hearty helping of gluten-free hotel marketing sweetness joining me today is master taffy stretcher phil frisca who also dabbles <laughs> in a little bit of marketing, uh, search marketing. How you doing, Phil? Welcome back, everybody. I, I didn't realize I was going to be a taffy stretcher today. Hey, you know what? We also, it's not just you. We also have our master starch mold printer and resident analytics guru, Melissa Cavanaugh. Howdy ho. Melissa, I hate to say that this is one of your, your last episodes, but I'm running out of random jobs that I can assign you guys so it might be easier now that you're gone anyway because this is getting difficult everything will be easier when i'm gone it's fine false <laughs> that's completely false so well yeah so we got got a big episode today and you can follow along if you like at travelboommarketing.com slash podcast and just click on episode 194 and you'll see a plethora of notes and cool stuff that will help you Learn more about today's topic, which is, is Microsoft's clarity the secret to improving hotel conversion rates? Dun, dun, dun. And that's a mystery right now, but very soon we're going to reveal the answer to that question. But before we do that, we have some housekeeping. The first thing is we have newsaroos. With hotel marketing we cannot lose, now it's time for newsaroos. I'm going to miss you singing that song. Bill's going to have to pick up the slack. Nope, nope. Pete's just going to clip that one, and we're going to pop it in there from now on. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to do that. So if anybody did not catch last week's episode, we've kind of gone through some spoiler alerts. Today is Melissa's last episode on the Hotel Marketing Podcast as a resident host, I guess, right? We, we're expecting you back in the future as guest, but this is your last day as a actual host of the show. Womp, womp. Womp, womp, womp. And you can learn more about that if you tune in to, to last week and just check out what, what her great plans are. But we're all super, super excited for, for Melissa. But we are all deeply saddened that she won't as be on the show. I have the same exact emotion. Super excited and super sad all at the same time. Well, you've been here for 15 years, so yep. that's a that's a big chunk of, of your life, and you've learned a ton. We started out from very different world in the hotel marketing world, and uh, yeah, and the analytics world. I mean, it just wasn't even it wasn't even analytics when I started. There was nothing to measure back then. So it's to say it's changed is an understatement. Yeah, it, it moves from reporting to analytics. Jumping back into to the news. This comes to us from Bloomberg, and it's definitely, it's, this is one that's worth the read for sure. The headline is, half of U.S. hospitality workers won't return to return in job crunch. So what I like about this is a company went out and surveyed 13,000 job seekers and asked them specifically, are you going to be coming back to the workforce? And specifically, are you going to be coming back to the hospitality workforce? 
Now, the article does combine both food services, hospitality, and a lot of things in that hospitality realm. But a major portion of this was what we would think of as a hospitality worker at a hotel or resort. And they asked 13,000 people, what, what would it take? What, why are they leaving the job force? 52% all said they're leaving for a different work setting. And when you think about it that way, the work setting, a lot of the times from in our world, is somewhat, it's not very malleable. It, if you work at the front desk, if you're a housekeeper, if you're a security person, you have to be on property and you're going to be dealing with roughly the same things that you've dealt with in the past. But it's clear that those workers have either been fed up due to lack of support, understaffed, which means people who are working are having to work harder, or whatever the reason might be. Well, I, I mean, we've talked about this before, Pete. I think it, you know, it definitely is something to do with people understanding that the hospitality industry is a bit fragile. I mean, we just saw this throughout 2020, what happened to the entire industry, people, you know, being furloughed, losing their jobs. Um, they, they want something that's more stable, that is, you know, somewhat uh, recession-proof or now pandemic-proof, um, where they can make similar money or more money. Uh, so we've heard that from, you know, countless, um, you know, hospitality workers from, like you said, front desk to, to housekeeping, uh, to security, um, maintenance, everything. So people can do a similar job in a, maybe a different industry that, you know, where, where something like what happened in 2020 won't happen to them again. Yeah, and hoteliers have dropped the ball at the beginning of COVID with mass layoffs and the the brand expectation of working for a hotel different, differentiating from the actual reality, where we were all family, everything was going to stick together, we'd be fine, and then as soon as something happened, you can't necessarily blame the hoteliers, but massive cuts had to happen, and a lot of people, a lot of good employees that are your star performers got furloughed or or laid off. So this it, it's a pretty enlightening survey. I definitely say take a look at the Bloomberg article about that. The last thing that I'm taking from the article is they provide the top five reasons why people would not be coming back. Different work, in, work environment was number one at 52. The second reason is they were looking for higher pay at 45%. And the third reason was better benefits at 29%. None of this surprises me. It, it, it doesn't. But what, what I find interesting, to me, it looks like there's two specific things. Just like with our customer sentiment studies and our post-day surveys, the guests and, or, the cust- or the hotelier, sorry, should I say the uh, employee, is telling us what they need to come back to work. One is a different work setting. So if you can change up what a traditional hotel job is, you might be able to attract more employees. But then when you add the second and the third items together, 45 plus 29%, you're well over 70% of people who are specifically looking for a better compensation package, be it benefits or pay or whatever that might be. So it's something for us to consider as well. In addition to changing the environment, you got to probably open up the wallet a little bit more too. I, I I think this, you can justify higher pay and better benefits if you do what we talked about in the beginning of the pandemic where it was a necessity to cross-train employees. Um, but when you're cross-training employees, you know, you're, you're 
getting them familiar with different disciplines, different areas of the hotel. You can find something that, you know, someone may have been hired for, but they shine somewhere else. Uh, but being able to cross train somebody makes them, you know, even more valuable to you uh, and and would justify higher pay or better benefits for, for that employee who's been cross trained. And, and doing that across the board, you know, may may open some doors for you to to bring in some new workers or even retain some of your best ones that you already have. Well said. Well said. All right. So that wraps up the newsaroos, and we've got a brand new segment that we're going to try to bring to our listeners. I'm going to say each and every week. We're trying to come up with a good name for it, but basically just a hotel marketing little snippet that you can put in the back of your head. Only take a couple minutes, and you can use that to make your hotel operating experience better for next week. 60 seconds or less, right, Pete? 60 seconds or less, the 60-second tip. And Phil, (laughs) you're doing the first one. I am. Um, This one may not even take 60 seconds, Uh, but this tip is uh, has to do with Google Search Console. So when you're looking at the queries report within Google Search Console, there's a new uh, regex or regex, however you want to say it, um, that you can enter into the queries report where you enter who, what, where, when, why, and how. Um, and, and in a certain keyword, and you can find all of the queries that drove traffic to your site where someone is asking a question. So what you may already be ranking for, something that you could increase the rankings for, some question that someone's asking that your website is, your hotel's website is answering. Um, this is just you know a great way to, to understand how you're fulfilling searcher intent. But we'll keep those in the show notes. You can go just copy and paste that uh, regex right into your Google Search Console queries report and uh, try it out for yourself and see what questions people are asking that you're answering. Phil, you had two seconds to spare. That was awesome. Yeah. Ha ha. Who's counting? <laughs> so it's not a 50, a 60 second tip. It's a 58 second tip. That's awesome. Well, cool. So moving on from our little intro segments, we're going to dive right into the meat of the topic. And for this episode, it is Microsoft Clarity, which is something we really haven't talked a lot about. But I would be I would make the hypothesis that it could be the secret to an improved hotel conversion rate because it does something different that other analytics platforms don't do, or should I say at least don't do at the nice price of it's free. Go so, ahead, Melissa. There's no such thing as free, Pete. <laughs> I was setting you up for that. The cost of the software is free at the moment. You never know if that's going to change. But yes, the software at the moment is free, but it's going to cost you some dollars in your time to use said software. Yes. Yeah, once it's easy to implement, but once you implement it, if you don't use it, it is of no value. All right. Well, to start with, Melissa, do you want to give us just a super high level overview of what is Clarity? And My, what, what does it do? Yeah. And what is it different? Why is it different from, say, Google Analytics? So, Microsoft Clarity, and to be blunt, there are other tools like this out there, um, but 
at the moment, that's what we're specifically talking about today. It's basically a, it's a heat mapping customer behavior type analytics tool where you can, like I said, you can see heat maps, you can see re actual recordings of your consumers going through your website and you can see every click they make, you know, what pages they're going to, how long it's taking them, all those fun things with just by me saying that you can imagine watching all these videos is a little bit time consuming, but it is super duper cool. And as it pertains to how it's different from your analytics system, it's apples and oranges. There's nothing to actually compare. They're completely different. Uh, analytics is giving you all the data about what has transpired on your website, but this tool is letting you see how people are interacting with your website. Yeah, this is a, it's effectively a, you know, user testing without the, the person talking you through what their behavior is. You're just observing the behavior through these screen recordings. You can look at their, your heat mapping software as well, but we find that the recordings are, 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 are a better bet. And, and it, you know, you're seeing recordings from both mobile and desktop and tablet. Um, so, you know, I, I, that's, that's what I like it for. I like being able to watch how users are actually interacting with my site rather than, you know, like we said, the, the data portion, the analytics side, we can see how many clicks a certain thing is getting, but watching how someone gets there and making that click and what they do after, um, that, that's the, you know, the, the power of clarity. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's not a replacement for Google Analytics by any means. You do have some very, very top line stats, you know, sessions, average page, pages per session, scroll depth, uh, a lot of things that are just basic math type analytics points that you would see in Google Analytics. But everything else is very specific to individual user experiences in user behavior. So what you, as you go through this, you're gonna get a lot of clues, but you're not gonna necessarily get a lot of answers. And I think that's kind of the best way of looking at Clarity is, it's a great way to see what customers on your website do or are having trouble with, but you do have to drill down. You see one or two examples of a specific is issue, and that gives you a springboard to start testing and start making those iterative improvements to your website. All right, so jump right in. We're going to go over three main sections. We're going to talk about how hotels can use Clarity, some of the secrets that Clarity offers that hotels can really benefit from, and then we're going to wrap up with just a few little frequently asked questions. So to start off with the ways hotels can use Clarity, I break this down into three main points. And the first one is it has a phenomenal selection of what I call friction finding tools or ways that your hotels can find specific missed opportunities and they have three that are really really cool and if you haven't used Clarity it only takes a little bit of time to set up but you're really gonna like some of these features and the first one is called Rage Clicks which Ooh. is just so cool. So. What a name. I love this. When I saw it, I was like, I love the name Rage Clicks because I guarantee you every single one of us has used this, particularly on a mobile device where, you know, something should be clickable and it's not clickable or, and, and you just slam your thumb on it a billion times. Well, you can actually 
watch all of the rage clicks that are happening on your site. That's that's exactly what Clarity will show you. Like, all right, here is here's how many rage clicks. Here's recordings of all the sessions that had rage clicks, and you can watch where it happened on on the page. Um, really see where you're pissing people off. Yep. I'm going to have a lot of caveats just to live up to my name today. And here's my first one for rage clicks. Clarity may show quote unquote rage clicks when in fact somebody is clicking on like an image gallery and it's scrolling through images as you're clicking on it, but it looks like you're clicking on the same darn thing over and over again. So just beware of that. Yeah, those are, that's, that's, that's a pretty quick one. You'll notice it right away. You see, um, you'll start watching a recording and exactly like Melissa said, you'll see that them hover to that arrow and click on it uh, a few times. Just skip over that recording. Yep, exactly. And the other thing to look at too is when you're looking at your dashboard, you have sections for the various friction tools. For range clicks and for the other ones, it does give you a percentage of sessions that have range clicks. So I think you know, over time, you want to work on getting that percentage down but it's just a good indicator that you may have a problem. And like Phil said, you have to go and actually watch those recordings, or like Melissa said, with the photo galleries, they may not actually be rage clicks, but it's a great way to at least start down that journey of optimizing your website. Yeah, the next one is dead clicks. I so love this, this one is we, so, this is more, in my opinion, way more important than rage clicks. I, I agree, because this is like, all right, somebody clicked on something they thought was going to be clickable and it wasn't. Um, this this is this is like a an easy, you know, like Pete said, step into the journey of conversion rate optimization. If you see recording after recording where someone's clicking on an image and it doesn't take them anywhere, obviously it's like okay, maybe we need to make that image clickable to go to somewhere wherever you know, whatever would fulfill that intent of that click the best. Um, but yeah, this is, this is an obvious one and, and it's so useful for, for your conversion rate optimization. Yeah. But again, like Melissa's caveat here, especially with mobile devices, something may look like a click when it was just like a, a missed scroll. So pay attention to that as well. Yeah. Everything that we're really talking about with clarity is about, the system providing you clues that you then have to drill down to. Because yeah, for, for every dead click that you have, that's not necessarily a, a UX failure. It may just be something that you know, over time you realize, oh, people are clicking on this one word that we did not anticipate the customer seeing as a conversion point. But if or, it is, or, now you know. Another thing that we've seen in, in these recordings where maybe your header looks like a link and it looks like it should be clickable when it isn't. Um, so then you need to make the decision, do I change the font so it doesn't look clickable or do I actually make it clickable so it goes somewhere? These are these are things you can test and these are things you can learn, but you need to watch multiple recordings to determine, you know, is this dead click something that's happening to a lot of users, this same dead click, or, you know, was was the recording I just watched a, a one-off and the rest of them are showing a different dead click? You really need to look at a lot of these to start making decisions there. You can get into so much trouble when you look at one video. And we had this happen a lot when we were using usertesting.com a lot more than, than we do now. But you would see one person make a mistake 
And it's a mistake to, on our part to say, oh, look, people have a hard time. In reality, a person had a hard time with a certain element of your website. Obviously, we want to fix those, but you do have to look at it from an aggregate perspective and say, wait a minute, this is the only person that had this problem. I don't necessarily need to upset the apple cart just to solve that one person's issue if in 99% of the time I have everybody else going through the conversion funnel as we would expect them to do so. Yeah, and, and the last one here that we wanted to touch on was quick backs. Uh, a quick back is when someone navigates to a page and then quickly returns to the previous page. So um, there, there are a couple instances where this may happen. The page that they went to is not providing the information they thought it was supposed to. Uh, there's a variety of things that you could change to you know, fix that. Um, but really, it's like, okay, was the click the thing that you know they didn't intend to actually click on something or was it the information on the page they landed on wasn't what they thought it would be so you're not going to know the answer to that by watching the recording um but you know it's going to give you a clue like pete keeps saying these are clues into what do i need to change to improve the experience yep and also keep in mind one of the really really powerful parts of clarity is how it will segment the individual device types and technology so you can see each one individually. You may have a lot more quickbacks on a mobile device where somebody inadvertently clicks something, and you just want to keep that in mind. If it's happening a lot, obviously, on a desktop as well, that's a lot more, I guess, uh, intentional it's click. Yeah. Good but point. Yeah, so, so I think those three things, rage clicks, dead clicks, and quickbacks, are really good tools to help find parts of your website in that customer experience journey where you have friction. And what we talk about every time is the more you can make a frictionless experience, the higher your conversion rate is going to be on your website. So that's the, the first way that a hotel can use it using the friction finding tools. The second one, and this is really everything that Clarity is, or a big part of it, is the screen recordings that give you just insanely great insights and qualitative data that are the starting point for your site optimizations. And yeah, we but, talked about but that. Back to, yeah, you have to watch. You have to watch a lot. And um, I would recommend, you know, you watch, you know, I assume most of your traffic's coming from mobile devices like every other hotel out there. Um, if, you know, that's where 75% of your traffic's coming from, I highly recommend you filter out all of the, you know, looking looking at mobile specifically, and just drill down, watch mobile recording after mobile recording after mobile recording after mobile recording to get that idea of how people are really interacting with your site. Because, you know, no, there's snowflakes. No two people are going to use your site the exact same. Uh, but it, again, it's a starting point. Once you start seeing trends on these recordings, and then you can start making decisions from it. Yep, Clarity makes it really easy to watch a lot of the videos as well. There's tools where it will compress the time between someone not doing anything. Yes. And so if, if someone's on the page for five minutes, they may only be clicking for 20, 30 seconds and just sitting there not doing anything. The person's distracted, they're on another uh, monitor for some reason, but you know, either way, it will compress that down to let you go through these quickly. And or it, they're just, or they're just reading. You know, they're probably just reading some of the content you have there, and it might be, you know, a good ten seconds of they're not moving, 
well, that that's what the tool does. It skips right past that to the next movement or click or what, whatever the next action is. Exactly. And this is all qualitative data. It is something to use to start heading in that right direction. This isn't scientific data that is specifically something you're going to be able to use to implement immediately. But like we keep saying, it's that starting point to get you to where you need to be. Amen. And then the last one is Melissa's personal favorite system mm. in the whole wide world. Uh, we've maps. come full circle. Heat maps. It's time for heat maps. Melissa, tell us all about them. We have come full circle to 15 years ago when I started in, in analytics. So heat maps are literally that. I'm sure most people are familiar with them. It literally lights up an image of your page. Pick a page, any page on your website with different, you know, darker, lighter spots to tell you what's been clicked the most or what's not getting clicked at all. Uh, I will continue to caveat this with take these images with a grain of salt and also just be careful how you decide to use them because so here's the grain of salt issue. Sometimes, and I've seen this a lot, for whatever reason, on everybody's homepage, since forever, 15 years ago, the logo of the website, going back to the homepage, seems to be one of the top things clicked since 15 years ago. I have a hard time believing this, and maybe I'm wrong. I could be dead wrong, but I'm just having a hard time believing that people on the homepage, the number one thing that they are clicking is the logo to get back to the homepage. I just, just, I'm just putting it out there. So just be careful. I'm, I'm not entirely sure how Clarity works in terms of if there are duplicate links on the page. So if let's say in your header, you have a link to you know your reservations and then somewhere lower on the page, you have another link to the booking engine and it's the same link. I'm not 100% certain that Clarity can determine which one of those links was clicked or if it's grouping them all together. So again, just beware of those type of things. I think the one of the powerful things you can use the Clarity heat map for is when you're trying to identify, uh, say, say you're looking at a certain page, um, I want to see all of the dead clicks on this page. You can see the, the heat map of it and you're like, all right, as I'm now, when I switch back to recordings, as I'm going through my recordings, let's see how people are getting to that spot that they keep, you know, that the heat map shows that the dead clicks are. So you can, you can get an idea of what you should be looking out for before you go watch the recordings. And what's not on your list, Pete, are the scroll maps, which I personally like more than the heat maps. Yeah, because I was trying to figure out where to put those. I kind of group them, which is probably an error. Um. I would say, and the scroll maps were not available when Clarity first launched, but they are now, which is nice. And they are clearly uh, spending some time and money investing into this tool uh, because there are a lot of new features that have been rolled out since this first came into existence. But the scroll map is exactly that. It shows you how deep down the page people are scrolling. Now, 
people will often say, don't put anything important at the bottom of your page because people don't scroll down. Well, if that's the case, you will actually see that in these scroll maps. You'll see how far down the content people are actually reading. And I think that that can be very important because the heat map in and of itself, so if you have something quote unquote clickable at the bottom of your page and you're not getting clicks, you wouldn't necessarily know if people are not clicking that because they just never got there because they never scrolled down far enough or they did get down there and they don't find it useful or knew that they were supposed to click on it or whatever the case might be. One of my favorite parts of the scroll maps is the average fold position. Yes. Because this always comes up, especially when you're talking with traditional agencies who are thinking in terms of, of print. But in the web, there really is not a fold, so to speak. No. But Clarity does a really cool job of saying, okay, in most cases, this is where most people see information on the very first page before ever having to scroll. And what's also really interesting is from the average fold down to you lose half the people, it's a pretty close range. You know, it, a lot of people aren't going to scroll very far, but the people who do scroll, they keep going and going and going, it typically seems like. Yep, that's about right. Well, I named this section Three Ways Hotels Can Use Clarity, and I'm going to have to change that. So I'm type it right now. Scroll map. Done. It happened right here on the podcast. Woohoo! But, uh, well, perfect. Anything else that we want to dive into regarding kind of how hotels can use it from a top line perspective? I think our next section gives us a, a little more depth into each way, you know, some of the things that we can do with it. Yeah. And these are the, the five powerful secrets of Microsoft Clarity. So I try to make this ominous, but ominous in a good way. I don't know what the word for that is, but... So, anyway. awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's true. Five awesome secrets instead of ominous. That makes way more sense. All right. So the very first thing that I would say here for where Microsoft Clarity is getting better and better and better is on the filtering. When the platform first launched, you had a very limited range of filters you could put in place. Time frame, device type, browser type, and not much more. You could do a little bit of the the friction points such as rage clicks and whatnot, but they've really worked hard at expanding the filtering capabilities to the point where it really does tie seamlessly into Google's existing UTM tags. So you can drill down all the way to specific medium campaigns or sources that have been set on your Google Analytics side. That data is being recorded on the Clarity side as well, which is super helpful from a decision-making perspective. Yes, I am a huge fan of those UTM parameters. And so here's what's really shocking to me about this. So Clarity is a Microsoft product. Google Analytics is, well, a Google product. And I am shocked at the ability for these two sort of competitors to, you know, play nice together. Yeah, well, keep this in mind though. Clarity is an open source product. So yes. anybody can you know, build on top of Clarity, almost like WordPress, right? From a website development perspective. And all your tagging from Google Analytics just comes in 
as an uncloaked URL parameter so that data is already there on the page, right? Well, yeah, that's true. And, and, and they do connect in, in other ways. If you're thinking of, you know, like Bing places can connect to your Google My Business and you can import all your stuff. Microsoft Ads connects to Google Ads and you, and you can import all your stuff. Um, Microsoft Clarity connects to your Google Analytics and you can pull in your analytics data. I, I mean, they, they do, you know, play nice with each other on, on quite a few different, uh, you know, marketing aspects, but th that's why this doesn't surprise me as much. Exactly. But another thing that I wanted to point out that mentioned here, Pete, was the, the different, uh, the, the different ways you can, you know, filter, like filtering down to referring sites, sources, mediums, whatever. Um, one of the things that I've liked to use clarity for, uh, if, if we have a client that is, say, running a display ad on a particular site, or they, you know, maybe paid for a placement or um, paid to be the, you know, sponsor hotel of something, right? Um, a concert, a ski resort, something like that. You can filter by that referring site and see, you know, how people who have maybe clicked from your ad and visited the site now interact with your site. Are they sticking around? Are they leaving? was placing that ad worth it for you, that type of stuff. But that, that, was, that was super useful uh, for, for a variety of different events and you know, seasons, particularly with, with uh, one of our mountain properties. Um, did that specifically with a, uh, a, with a, a local mountain. They, they partnered with them, had a, had a big old ad on there, and we got to see how people came into the site and interacted with it. It was really cool. Yeah, it's a good example. All right, so, so the next one, and this kind of goes into the, the filtering, but I, it's so cool that I want to break it out to its own little awesome secret. You can filter down to an individual user level, and I don't know really of a lot of platforms that have that capability. So if you are watching a recording, you're able to grab the user ID, which is just an anonymized it, it ID for a specific user on the page, you can grab that ID and then you can look at everything that user has done and how they've interacted with your site down to that specific user level, which is super, super cool. So you know, that, that one person who we talked about earlier who may have had a problem, you can drill down and say, okay, was this a one-time issue that this person just had a single problem? Or you may find out that this person is not a very good qualified person based on how they acted throughout the rest of that website journey. Very yeah, that one is pretty cool. Um, I'm I'm gonna take the third one because it kind of goes back to my filtering, as this is the what I loved the most about about Clarity is you know picking apart the the variety of ways people can use your website, variety of devices, operating systems, browsers. You can you can filter out recordings based on all of these things. This can really help you identify user experience issues with different things like, okay, I know all these people from iOS are having this issue. Is, is it something with the way my site is coded and iOS isn't reading it? Um, these type of things can really help your conversion rate optimization plan. When, when you can identify something like that, like, okay, my site doesn't work well on, like, my conversion rates are terrible in this browser. What are people in this browser doing that makes it so bad? Or 
on this device type, my conversion rates are terrible. Why are people, you know, from this device type, whatever it is, what, why is it, why is it, why is my conversion rate bad on this particular thing? You can filter by that particular thing and identify the issue pretty easily and start, start your conversion rate optimization there. Awesome insights. Melissa, I have to have you take the next one though. This one's pretty cool. Uh, that would be number number four four four. I've been saying the numbers, guys. I know. Clarity in Google Analytics can work together and allow you to get the most out of both platforms. So as we said before, you can actually connect your Google Analytics account to your Clarity account, and then your Clarity stuff shows up in sort of a dashboard format in your Google Analytics. So you can just sort of click on these recordings, which is pretty darn cool not to have to log into a separate system to do that. Yeah, and, and then like you see something weird and you're trying to get understanding of what it is, Google doesn't offer those screen recordings. It doesn't offer a lot of the, the visual features that Clarity does. But while we haven't used this feature much of jumping back and forth, I could see it as being a big time saver because Google has a habit, or any analytics platform has a habit of sending you down these rabbit holes where I think if you could just see what was happening in some cases, it may say, oh, you know what? I looked at this specific issue. I drilled down to the specific user level and it's irrelevant to, to our business needs. We don't need to spend hours digging through the analytics for something that I could answer by visually seeing what happened. Yeah, I think Melissa, had she had this years and years ago, and all the rabbit holes she's climbed down, she's, she's like Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> all the rabbit holes Melissa has traveled down. If, if, we had, if we had the ability to just watch what people were doing, uh, oh my goodness, how much time would that have saved? Years and years. A lot. Caveat. Yeah. Caveat, in the Presto Magico setting up of these two systems, it's not quite Presto Magico. There is a little bit of setup involved, so make sure you read the documentation. It's pretty good. Clarity's done, a, or I should say Microsoft has done a good job of showing screenshots and walking you through step-by-step of what needs to happen on both the Clarity side and the Google Analytics side of how to connect these two things. So just, you know. It's not a switch. You got to do a little bit of work, but it's okay. It's pretty straightforward. Fantastic. And then the last thing that is a little secret that is, in my opinion, pretty helpful from a development perspective is they have a JavaScript error system that will specifically isolate when a customer is having a JavaScript error and show you those specific recordings. I really like this as it relates to engaging and getting into the booking engine process because a lot of times that's where you don't see JavaScript errors where you can see that the person's in the booking engine trying to click on a graphic of a room and nothing's happening that should be happening. So it should be triggering a a modal for a photo gallery or it should be doing this or that. It lets you drill down very quickly to see what those issues are. From my perspective on the more the account management side, it's, it's hard for me to dictate to a developer, hey, here's a JavaScript error. But this platform lets me say, hey, look, here's the problem. When someone tries to do this, this happens. And then I'm able to translate you know, my account manager brain over to developer brain and make life easier. Yeah, and, and another thing, like when, when you're looking at that, Pete, 
um, JavaScript errors, or really any any of the recordings. Um, Clarity provides a lot of data about each recording right there in this sidebar. It shows you entry pages, exit pages, how many pages visited, duration, how many clicks they made, device type, um, operating system, you know, the, their location while searching. Like you get as you kind of scroll through recordings, like JavaScript errors, let's say. Um, if I just scroll down the side of the page right now, I can see how many of these are happening on iOS versus Android, just giving it the eye test. And if I see a lot more of one than the other, you can kind of start narrowing down issues that way. So that brings us to the final section, which is a Q&A about Microsoft Clarity. So I figure what we should do is I'm going to ask a question and I'm going to ask each of you guys and then you get to answer the question. I want question number one. Right. Oh, and question number three. Uh, actually, that's perfect. That means I go back and forth. Hey, Melissa. Hey, Pete. Is Clarity easy to install? Absolutely, Pete. It's a breeze. <laughs> <laughs> it truly is, though. They give you the little snippet. It's literally one little script that needs to go either directly into the header of your website if you do not have a Tag Manager system, or it easily integrates with your Tag Manager system. And again, it's one quick snippet of code, and then you're good to go. Caveat, because I gotta throw one more in there, let's talk about the booking engine. Because you may have a crappy booking engine and you may not have access to put that code on your booking engine. So if that's the case, go get a new booking engine. I mean, maybe not just because of that, but it's probably an indicator of other things. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Melissa, you've answered my question. But I have hey. another one. Hey, Phil. I'm concerned about my privacy. How does Microsoft Clarity handle privacy? They actually do a, a pretty good job at this, even, even going overboard at times. But um, yeah, they anonymize every user. Um, so you can't really say, you know, Pete from Myrtle Beach did this on my website. Um, any personal information that's entered into the website is, is cloaked. So you can't see what someone's typing in. Um, but, you know, Realistically, that that's kind of where it can go overboard. Where anything that can be seen as personal, the the phone numbers that you include on your own website, your property's address, um, things like that are are also cloaked. So, I I understand they they'd rather you know err on the side of caution, be as safe as possible, anonymize this because realistically, you are you're watching somebody interact with your site and privacy can become a, a major issue here, but I feel like they've done a really good job of, uh, of anonymizing the users. And we've had that happen specifically with user testing in the past where the prompt for the tester was go through the process as if you were actually booking a vacation, stopping before you enter your personal information. And more often than not, the person whips out a credit card. You see them put their name, address, credit card information. You're like, no, 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 no. How do I unsee this? Uh, and, and they and Clarity makes it a lot easier because even if as somebody's doing that, all you get is just a series of dots. Yes. I, I was very impressed with this. And as we said, or maybe we didn't say yet, for the things that really shouldn't be cloaked, and again, it's a little strange that they can't determine that the phone number that is already like in your header is not personally identifiable. Um, you can go through some, it's going to take some work, but you can go through a process where you tag your site in a way that Clarity can say, oh, okay, this is this is okay to show. 
yeah they they have they have um some more advanced features that allow you to to either add more protection or a little bit less like for instance you know we're i'm scrolling through one now just as we're talking about it and <laughs> it talks about the year the hotel was built in and the actual year is dotted out like it's personal identi identifiable information and it's not but I feel like it's just chosen all numbers. Like. Yeah, it has. It has. The pretty and much. Yeah, because even if you look at the booking widget on a lot of sites, the uh, the check in, check out, and number of rooms and number of adults, and even the button that says check availability is cloaked. So you can go through there and using some HTML tagging, wrap each of those fields in things that will allow that data to show. And and you can go into the um, into the settings and masking within Clarity, and you can set your masking mode to strict, balanced, or relaxed, or you can choose to mask or unmask by element. So there are options within the system as well. All right, awesome, that answered my question, but I have like even more questions. And Melissa, can you tell me if Microsoft Clarity is going to just replace Google Analytics? It is not, as we said earlier on. These are complementary systems, not a replacement for one or the other. Now, if it was me and I was a very busy hotel marketing person and I don't have all day to, as much as I would like to, go through and watch all these videos that are going to be racking up in Clarity, I would start my quest of investigation using the data in Google Analytics to pick a point, like just pick one page to focus on and go filter those videos or filter your heat maps just for that one page. Like if there's a, a significant drop off point or a, I, dare I say a high bounce rate, like on your amenities page or your rooms page. Pick that one page, start there, start small, and, and use the, the analytics to drive what you're looking at in the Clarity platform versus just overwhelming yourself with all the information that's there. That's my tip of the day. That's a bonus. Well, cool. I have, I have one more question, and Phil, you're the only one that can answer this one for me. What is the future of Microsoft Clarity? Ooh. I see a, a hat and a crystal ball right now. <laughs> Phil has the answer. It, hold on, let me grab my hat and crystal ball. <laughs> All right, we're good. So I, you know, I think that Clarity has a, a all right, caveat. If it's <laughs> adopted by more people, it can it could really grow. Like Pete mentioned earlier, it's open source. So people can build on top of this just you know any any developer can can build on top of this platform and and make it better or um alter the system and make it fit their specific needs and as they do that iteratively improve the platform um i i could see this really you know really taking off and i think in in my opinion i think this is you know great for the industry because really what what you know, we've heard Google moving towards in terms of user experience, uh, releasing their page experience, you know, ranking factor updates, you know, Microsoft providing this type of tool that allows you to see user experience with your own eyes. Um, what we're trying to do is improve user experience across the web on all devices. So 
having a platform like this and having it be open source and allowing it to improve um, exponentially because you're allowing anybody to build on top of it, uh, I think I think it has a very bright future if it's adopted. Well, I think one of the problems that Clarity had kind of coming out of the gate is the public version or the you know non-betaed version came out in October of 2020, which you know since then we've had presidential elections, we've had all kinds of craziness, we've had COVID recovery, a lot of things have been consuming marketers' minds, where. You know, even for, our, you know, internally here at Travel Boom, it's one of those things that's kind of gotten put on the back burner of, hey, that's cool, but I want to deal with it later. So I think now that we're able to focus a little bit more on the, the fundamentals of marketing, it really does bode well for clarity. But, and this is a question for both of you guys, Google's got to look at this and say, Microsoft is doing something that we're not currently offering. Are they going to come out with, more clarity or whatever they want to name their product and <laughs> yes, completely blow Microsoft out of the water again. So Google Analytics for a very, 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 very long time had a heat mapping system built into Google Analytics. They did. And yeah. they stopped supporting it. I'm just going to say <laughs> there must be a reason they stopped supporting a heat mapping system. I'm just going to leave that hanging there. Yeah. And now that was a very long time ago. So I don't know that we were even thinking mobile experiences back then when they stopped supporting it, did they? Certainly wasn't that prevalent. Right. The, uh, the lack of support happened in the last couple of years where they did that. It's been around for a long time, but then they said, you know what, this isn't our thing and we're not supporting it anymore. I, I, I don't know that... Google's going to, obviously, if they wanted to, they have all of this data. They they could produce the, the same thing probably better like they always do. Um, but I don't, I don't know that, I, I feel like Google would try to monetize it somehow. Microsoft well, being, the- being free right now, I think that is the best thing Microsoft has going for it is allowing this to be, well, free to the user, right? They're collecting a crap ton of data exactly my point that's i mean that's that's invaluable to microsoft right now um but you know google already has the stuff if they wanted to rebuild it they already would have like melissa said that's a really good point here's the thing here's the thing so google obviously has the most prominent analytics system microsoft is never if they came out with something today they're never going to be able to compete with the adoption of google analytics but now they have this system which for all intents and purposes is collecting sort of the same information on all of these websites that microsoft can now use i never thought about it from the perspective of you're right If, if it's free that means the customer's the product and they want the data and if, if Google already has it, they're, they're not really incentivized to recapture data that they've already captured. Exactly. Yeah. Google hasn't, I mean, it's, it's them building a system they don't need to build. They have what they need. Microsoft is doing this because they need the data. They need to yeah. understand the data. And they don't, they, like Melissa said, they don't have a way to compete with Google Analytics. This is their way to compete, um, even even slightly. But 
I think at the end of the day, I, I love this system. Like I said, it's going to make user experience better. The more people use it, the more people watch the screen recordings, the better websites are going to get because of it. Um, yeah, the, I, I like Clarity a lot, I, especially for conversion rate optimization purposes. I agree. I think it's it's good for us as marketing people. But again, just putting that caveat out there that this isn't just a good deed out of the kindness of their hearts from Microsoft that they had nothing better to do. And they're like, eh, <laughs> let's let's do this for the people. Although that would be a nice thought. It but. would be, but I, I don't like people and I don't have that much faith in them. So you're you're a savvy marketer and you're probably correct. That so that wraps up 194. And Melissa, do you have any any parting words of wisdom other than a world record number of caveats in one podcast? Let's see. Uh, here are my parting words for my very last podcast. Um, always be testing, and go get yourself a booking engine that doesn't suck. All right, and, and, and hopefully, as you move forward, your your buttons will not be burned. That's right. I'm hoping I have less buttons burned in my next life. Well, you have no buttons left. <laughs> They've been burned up. Fresh set of buttons. She's, she's going all Velcro from now on. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. So, hey, Melissa, tell us where we can find you moving forward. I will continue to be on LinkedIn and on Clubhouse at Melissa Cavanaugh, K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. All right. How about you, Phil? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Phil Fariska. All right. You can find me, Pete DeMeo, P-E-T-E-D-I-M-A-I-O, on both LinkedIn and Clubhouse. And if you want to follow us, you can follow us at TravelBoomMarketing.com or on Facebook, it's Facebook.com slash TravelBoomMarketing. Twitter's an interesting one. It's Twitter.com underscore TravelBoom. And then LinkedIn is company slash travel boom marketing so you can find us anywhere you want there let us know if you have questions we love doing research for our listeners and our clients so if you have a question even if you don't have a review that we'd like to review also let us know and we're happy to do that research and make it a feature on an upcoming podcast so there you go that is another hotel marketing podcast in the books but you don't have to worry because we're going to be back next week for more hotel news, tips, and how-to guides to become an awesome hotel marketer. And everybody, I need you guys to remember one thing. The, mm-hmm. only, the only thing flat earthers have to fear is sphere itself. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for making me not cry today. That was good. Well, I thought that joke would make you cry. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, and travel boom out.